Welcome to the Love Fly podcast. It's Paul Tizard, Love Fly podcast host and fear of flying coach. And today's guest uh, is called John. So welcome, John. Thanks for having me this morning. Um, in Texas, it's a little early, but it's all good. <laughs> yeah, you you are one proper early bird. So I said, oh, <laughs> yeah, I said, oh, I can do Saturday morning, and then I forgot. Oh, there's a cracky. There's a six hour time difference. You're like, yeah, as early as you like. Six. So it's six o'clock in the morning, Texas time. Amazing. Well, at least it's not seven, because usually uh, some. Uh, I don't know when it is, but it's uh, seven hours at one point in time. Yes, I think some, sometime right. during. I get very confused with the, I can just about cope with East Coast, West Coast, and then anything more than that, it just blows my brain, you know? <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, John, tell us tell us your story, anything you want to share? I guess it first started, I guess we'll we'll see how I found y'all. I'm, I was on a Fear of Flying group and on Facebook, and then mm. I guess somebody had maybe linked your I guess fear of flying group in the other fear of flying group. And I was like, okay, well can't have too many fear of flying groups. So let's join this one. <laughs> and then I noticed that you had a podcast and I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Cause the person was saying, Hey, this, uh, Paul has a podcast. It's good. It's helped me. And at this oh, point, nice. well, I was, thank you. Whoever sad. that was, I don't know who it was, but thank you. I don't know who it was. Um, I, uh, so yeah, I, I started. I, I found your podcast and I started listening to them every day when I walk. I walk every morning for about an hour and a half, and so I was able to get through a lot of them. Yeah, very very quickly, and you know, it's kind of skimming over the ones that were more like that you had the pilots on, where the pilots were talking about like the aerodynamics of the plane, and I, that never really went through my head at flying. You know, mm. what's actually going on up in the air? I I never had a fear of flying before. It just, it kind of just came on, it kind of came out of nowhere. I know what triggered it. Go into that then. So when, so how long, yeah, so tell us a bit of your backstory before, you know, your. Okay, okay. So I didn't, I didn't really, tra I'm, I'm 38. I didn't really travel much. I was kind of always like a homebody. Well, long story short, I ended up winning a trip. And so I was finally, this was at 27 years old and I'm 38 now. I ended up winning a trip. I'd never been overseas. So it kind of forced me to go overseas. And so I went to Europe for my first time, had an amazing time, had no fears of flying. And then it was, it was wheels up after that. Since then, from 27 to 38, I've been to 26 countries. So let's go back just a little bit. So no fears of flying. I would get on the plane, put my headphones on, no worries, didn't care who I was flying, didn't care if it was raining outside. I always took medication, not because of the fear of flying, just because I've always been a little bit of an anxious person. Right, so I okay. always took medication mm. and I would get nervous a little bit sometimes in the air when it got really bumpy, but it would subside very fast. So I've been to Asia four times and in 2019, I was going for my fourth time. I was going back to Thailand with a buddy and we were going from Houston. The typical route is Houston to Narita, which is Tokyo, yeah. and then Tokyo to Bangkok. So on the way there, my buddy was sitting in the very back. I always sit in the very front. I want to sit as close as first class as possible. If I was 
wealthy, I would sit in first class all the time, like probably most people. Cool. Who wouldn't? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I was sitting right behind first class because it's usually less bumpy. And everything was fine. You know, I'm just, I can't sleep on, I've never been able to sleep on planes. Just too nervous in general. Mm-hmm. Not from flying, just, I don't know. I just can't sleep on planes, period. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and the head screen or whatever is on. And I'm just, I'm just messing around, just playing a game or something on my phone. And typical cruising speeds are 520 to 560, somewhere around there. Well, I look down on the on the monitor, and it says we're going about 720 miles an hour. And I'm like, okay, something's wrong. Like, why are we going so fast? And I could feel that we were going faster too. It kind of just felt like, kind of just felt like I was kind of like in a wormhole. Or so, so yeah, it kind of just felt like I was maybe I, I don't know. It just felt like I was in some kind of wormhole. And it felt like we were just kind of floating. I, it, it's hard to explain. I know it sounds kind of weird, but anyways, it, it freaked me out. I'm yeah. like, why are we going 200 miles an hour almost faster than we're supposed to be going? And so I took my medication. The medication that I take doesn't work right away. It takes a little while. Mm. And I was and I was looking around at the other passengers. I was like, is anybody else freaking out? Nobody else is freaking out except me. And when I say freaking out, for me, it's an internal thing. I don't start crying. I don't start, you know, flapping my arms up in the air and like, it's, it's just all inside my head. And I started sweating profusely. And again, my buddy's in the very, very back of the plane. We're in a big plane. I mean, I guess I could have got up and went and talked to him. Honestly, he wouldn't have been much of a help anyways. He's kind of one of those guys that would just be like, just suck it up. You know, <laughs> just like, no, yeah. this lady next to me, I hadn't talked to, there was a seat, there was a seat in the middle of us and uh, I hadn't talked to her the entire flight. And I'm actually a very chatty person, but you know, she had her headphones on the entire flight. I finally just broke down and I tapped her, I tapped her on her hand and she pulled her headphones off. And I was like, I was like, hi, she's like, Hey, what's going on? How, how are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm really scared right now. I was like, can, can you talk to me? And she was like, Oh, what's your name? I was like, my name's John. And, oh, and, uh, lovely, isn't it? Yeah. And she's like, well, what's going on? I was like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm really, I'm having a bad panic attack. And she could tell I was sweating. Mm-hmm. I had to take my jacket off. You know, I always wear a light jacket on the plane because it's always cold on those international flights. Yes. And she's like, and I, I couldn't believe it when she said this. She's like, I'm Sister Laura. It's nice to meet you. And I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> like, and I'm not a religious person at all. So. Until then, anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> Until then, I was like, God, thank you. <laughs> so she was actually a, a nun. Her story, long story short, she was, I was going, we we're both going to Narita and she was going to Vietnam to be a missionary mm. and somewhere in like a village in Vietnam, spread the word. And I was going off to Thailand. So she told me her whole story and she was telling me and she was holding my hand this entire time too. She's like, would you like to hold my hand? I was like, yes, please. <laughs> I'm holding this sister Laura's hand for like the next probably 20 to 30 minutes. And then eventually it, eventually it calmed down and the the rest of the the rest of the flight was smooth mm. um my medication finally started working and long, we we ended up landing in Narita and i was i wasn't really as shook up as i thought i would be mm. after all of that and I, there's no way i could turn around i had my friend with me and like yes. i mean if i turned around i'd have to go back over the pacific ocean anyways and so 
none of these none of these scary thoughts were going in my head yet that that made it get worse because in thailand you have to fly everywhere pretty much mm. and so i knew i was going to have to get on planes smaller planes older planes planes that are not as safe as the united states or europe because they have very very strict laws there you know if you're not a good airline they won't even let you come into their country and fly in and out of their country but none of that even crossed my mind going getting on the next plane and going from narita to to bangkok Bangkok to Chiang Mai, Chiang Mai to Krabby, Krabby back to uh, Bangkok, Bangkok to Narita, Narita back home. So I still had like seven flights left just to get back home to Houston. And all the flights were fine. Like I, it, We had turbulence and I didn't freak out. So fast forward, we get home from the trip. I end up going to Mexico City a little bit after. That's when the pandemic happened. So I didn't do that much traveling. And I think that could have something to do kind of sitting around, not doing much uh, during the pandemic. Ended up going to Mexico City, smooth flight by myself back there and forth. And then three weeks later, I ended up going to Vegas. I've been to Vegas like seven or eight times because it's very easy to get to from Houston. Mm -hmm. And I just, I like to gamble. So I, again, don't care about the airlines. I uh, never thought about Frontier, Spirit. Those are like our low budget airlines here in the States. We, we ended up choosing Spirit. Flight going there, fine. Kind of had partial night flight coming back. And I was sitting in the very back of the plane, which I never do. And we had some, we had some bad turbulence to where it was even freaking my girlfriend out. And after I was like, God, just get me off this plane and I'm not going to fly again for a long time. And so obviously we made it home safe. And everything, I guess, mm. I never looked into it much after that. Then we're, we're kind of in the height of the pandemic. This is November of 2020 and uh, pandemic, epidemic, whatever you want to call it. And fast forward to May. So six months I hadn't flown. And I'm used to flying four or five times a year because either yeah. I'm going overseas or I'm going somewhere. Yeah. So I go, I'm like, oh, I want to go to Vegas again. Just uh, I have some free rooms. It'll be nice vacation, free flight. Everything's free except for the gambling and food, basically. So... I book a trip out of our other airport, not Intercontinental, but Hobby. It's a smaller airport. And my buddy who's going with me is flying out of Intercontinental. His flight's 20 minutes before mine. So I get to Hobby. I'm fine. I get, I get to go sit down at my, uh, in the waiting area. And I just start, I start having a panic attack. Medication was not working. So just, um, just pause for a second there, John. So yep. any idea what triggered it at that moment? I think I, I've only flown out of this air, this airport like twice and I was by myself and just, I think with me being like kind of secluding myself during the pandemic, you know, not doing much, not having a lot of interactions with people mm. and just having a lot of time with my thoughts, which is not ever a good thing. I yeah. think that just, I, it was, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. Mm. Um, usually when I fly to intercontinental, I'm comfortable because I go into a lounge because I have lounge passes, so I don't have to sit at the gate. So I, I think there were just there were many many factors that triggered yeah. this. Lots of differences, <laughs> and also you had yeah. you had your uh, in-flight nun. Exactly. If she was there, everything would have been fine. <laughs> Where were um, you? Yeah. And, and and it sucks. I never got her information, and um, I think about her from time to time. You know, whenever mm. I you know start getting little panic attacks from like, from flying, and never got her information. She didn't have a cell phone. She was going over there to do missionary work. Her parents didn't approve, so she was going over there all alone, kind of basically. She didn't know who was picking her up. Kind of just left home and was gonna go do her journey. 
so yeah it was a combination of many many things i would okay. say yeah so carry on yeah thank you for that so i'm i'm sitting there i'm on the phone with my girlfriend i'm like i don't think i can get on this plane and she's like are you serious i was like she's like well just come home i'm like i can't come home keith is at the other airport and she knows he's going with me and and so i call him and i'm like hey man i might not be able to get on this airplane he goes mm. he goes well you need to tell me now. And I'm probably on the phone with him for 15 or 20 minutes. He's like, John, you need to tell me something now. I'm now boarding the airplane and I'm sitting in my seat. And at the last minute, he's like, it's, it's now or never, man. You got to tell me because his flight's going a little bit earlier than mine. So I'm not actually on the airplane yet. We're, mm. we're actually, we're actually boarding and I'm standing in line. And I told him, I was like, you got to back out, man. So he had to deboard the plane. I felt so bad. I felt so bad like that I made him deboard the plane. If he, if he wouldn't end up taking off, I will tell you this. If his flight would have taken off and I was never able to reach him, I would have gotten on the plane no matter what, right. because I would not have left somebody in that situation because he didn't have the rooms. The rooms were in my name yes. and he was just along for the ride. And I would never have left him in that situation. Mm. Um, but luckily <laughs> he was, uh, he had to deboard. He was really nice about it. I'd known him for a long time. He wasn't mad or upset at all. The only person that was upset in the situation was me. Like, yes. you know, I felt like yeah. a failure. I felt, mm. I felt, I felt worthless, you know, like in that time. Of, and then I broke down and I just started crying. I was like, dude, you've been on, mm. you've been a 20 at the time I'd been to 23, 24 countries at the time yeah. and never had a, had never had a, you know, never had anything like this happen to me. So mm. it was really kind of devastating for me. I, I pretty surprised. much cried on the way home. Yeah. Surprise drove home and just, felt like you know just was like dude you got to get this under control so i think that's about the time maybe a few months later i think i had found the podcast and just started reading up on stuff and just so, trying to like okay so john if i just ask this what's your theory on why then why that happened at the airport or why it yeah so why it's you've had those flights done a lot it suddenly appeared from nowhere do you have a theory about that I, I think I think being I think I think the pandemic and being at home more than usual mm. and not interacting with people. I didn't interact with people because of the pandemic. It was just like it was a thing. Everybody stayed home and nobody was doing much. And I think that the more time you have to sit there and think with your own thoughts for some people, not maybe all people, I think it just it started triggering more overall anxiety for myself. And I do think, and then also at the time, I was trying to wean myself off anxiety medication uh, just because I didn't want to be on it anymore. It uh, didn't really give me any side effects or anything, but I'm like, okay, I want my brain to be free, you know, free of anything, trying to kind of, you know, hold me back, not hold me back, but just, I didn't want to be on anything. I just wanted to just have a clear mind. And so. Why, why were you doing that then, if you don't mind me asking? What was the sort of. Um. That's kind of complicated. I mean, if I, I can't. It's all right. If you don't want to say it, it's fine. I don't know. if. It, <laughs> let's see. Okay. No, no. Yeah. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, I just, I just wanted to, I just didn't, I don't like, because long-term side effects of any kind of benzodiazepine or SSRI or SNRI, they're now showing that like it can cause early stages of Alzheimer's. Like right. it's not good to be on these drugs for, 30 or 40 years 
and then you get to your old age and you could possibly be a vegetable. Like these studies are just now coming out now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh man. So that kind of, that kind of freaks me out. I'm like, okay, maybe I can do my mental health myself. I'll do some yeah. yoga. I'll do some more meditation. I'll just try to work on myself a little bit better. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of, you know, it, it just didn't work. And sometimes people just need to be on these medications for the rest of their lives. Like a lot of yeah. people are anxiety, especially mm-hmm. in a world that we live in today. There's just a lot of anxiety everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's right. um, and some people can't, can, can straight up, they just can't handle it without medication. So I finally surrendered to the fact and was like, okay, if this is going to give you a better life and you're not going to be as anxious, then you just got to be on your medication, man, plain and sure. simple. Thank so. You. So, yes. So after the May flight, uh, you know, I thought, like I said, I found the podcast. I started listening to them. I was doing everything I possibly could for my anxiety because at this time I was still off my medication. I was trying to do everything to stay off the medication, tried this and that. I, I was actually feeling better. And then the anxiety would come back and breathing techniques, oils, like, you know, like, you know, smelling oils and stuff like that. November of 2020 was the last time I had gotten on a plane. Right. And then May of 21 was when I freaked out and didn't get on the plane. And then so now fast forward to to August 27th of 2022. So now it had been 21 months since I had been on a plane, since November mm-hmm. of 20. And I just got on my first flight a month and a half ago. Right. And it was a, it was a cruise. And so we had to fly from Houston to Seattle. It was it was it was one way or, or it was a straight shot. I never ever ever stop unless I have to, and it kind of boggles my. I'll get off topic a little bit here. It kind of boggles my mind. All these people, like I thought I had air air, air anxiety or fl- flight anxiety, but when I joined the group, I realized like maybe I was probably like a three or four, and everybody else is like way higher than me on the scale. Like there's way they, they people are freaking there. You know, you read their stories and they're, they're actually freaking out on the plane mm. and they're crying and they're sobbing. And I'm like, man, I was like, I don't have any, I was like, I think I'm a lot better off than most of these people. But it, it boggles my mind that people, whether they're in Europe or in the States or wherever they're at and I'm, and I see their flights and they're flying, let's just say from, from they're here in Houston, they're flying from Houston to Seattle. Well, they'll, they'll, they'll do a stop. And they'll stop in somewhere else and they'll have to get off the plane, be bored and get on another plane and then start taking off again. I'm like, if you can stop it and or if you can, if you can, uh, if you can afford it, it's not usually that much more expensive to, to, to not stop somewhere, especially if you're in the States. Maybe if you're going overseas, yes. I agree. Um, if you can, go pay direct. the extra 50 or $100 and don't then don't have another don't stop because a lot of people don't like taking off and landing i i see most people don't like landing i'm like dude when i'm landing i love landing i don't care if it's a bumpy land because i know when the plane lands even if it's super bumpy like we're landing you know? <laughs> i've survived another one <laughs> i've survived like when you're taking off and something happens and you crash that's not good there's probably not going to be any survivors but if you're landing let's say the wheels fall off or something as you're landing you're going to skid and you're probably going to be fine you have more chance of surviving as as you're as you're landing than you have taking off so when i see people's fears are from landing i'm like dude it's the opposite so that's one thing that boggles me it's interesting for me john that you've got some certain certain thought patterns going along there that which are which I find fascinating is 
thinking about the technical side of things. Um, yes, yes. And then no, the I, I'm, like, I'm thinking, do I interrupt this and say, oh, that's not quite correct, or do I let it run? So I'm letting it run. <laughs> the other thing is night flights. People are like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I, I have a night flight. I'm like, why did you book the night flight? To save an extra, to save a little bit of money, book the morning flight. It is shown that morning flights are less are less bumpy than night flights. And plus, if you get scared, you can actually open your window and see what's going on outside. At night, you can't see what's going on outside. So that's two things. If somebody's listening to this podcast, try to do straight shots. Don't book night flights if you're a worry worm. That at least helps me anyways. But I, yeah, I read a lot on that where people yeah. are scared at night and people are scared by, you know, they have two or three, two or three stops and they could have done it in one stop. So. Okay, so keep going. This is good. I, okay, so that was off. What was I talking about? That was so you're just subject. talking about sort of roll forward you're <clears throat> up to August this year. I'm yeah, guessing. okay. So, so now, now, now we, we had booked a cruise to Seattle, or it was out of Seattle. We were, we were doing an Alaskan cruise. Everything had already been paid for. Up oh. to the coming weeks, I'm like, I wasn't really, I was a little worried, but I was like, we're getting on this plane, man, because you already spent all this money and there's no refunds. The only refund you're going to get is if you get sick covid or something and can't mm. fly because i did buy the insurance and th those thoughts were going in my head that was like you know maybe i'll get sick or something or maybe i can say i, I I'm, I'm sick and i'll just get my money back and then i you know a few days before the flight i was like you're getting on the flight no matter what because you Good. need to conquer your fear you yes. can't go 10 or 15 20 years like some of these other people and i'm not i'm not i'm not bashing you if you're listening to this um everybody has their own problems but I, you know, luckily I was exposed to traveling at a earlier age than most people. And I, I've traveled around the world. And once you've seen the world, it's like, it's totally different than being in your hometown for your entire life. And I didn't want to miss out on that stuff. And I was like, man, it's either now or never. You got to get mm -hmm. on the flight. And this yeah. wasn't a short flight. My friend was like, why don't you just do like a short hour flight somewhere and see if you can handle it? I'm like, nah, nah, let's just, let's just go. Houston and Seattle was about five hours. And, um, I did overall, I did pretty good. I, I did, I had to do some breathing exercises on the plane, which helped me out tremendously. And I, I had some breathing, some oils, like some like lavender and peppermint, you know, those things take your mind off the current situation because it's sending a signal to your brain. So yes. I can highly recommend getting some oils or something. There was a little bit of turbulence, but overall I was fine and we landed and I was safe and I was, you know, next thing I know we're in Seattle and spending the day in Seattle. And then I had a seven day Alaskan cruise. And then, um, well, guess what? I had to, I had to get back on the plane and come all the way back to Houston. And, and it was fine too. There was a, there was a little bit of turbulence, but overall it was, a, it was a relatively smooth flight and I'm happy I did it. So I'm basically back in the gear. I'm going to start traveling again. I actually have a flight coming up on Friday to Mexico city for Dia de los Muertos, something I've always wanted to experience. And then in December, I'm going to Costa Rica. So, fantastic so what taking, do you think got you so how do you think you got over that you were thinking right who do i know that's got covid so i don't have to go versus i'm just going to do it and you talked about some sort of lavender and some oils and stuff but i kind of missed the jump from crap i don't want to go to. where 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 i was like okay I, I was i was basically looking for an excuse to get out of flying right and you know people were relying on me and I don't ever want to let anybody down. So that was one thing. 
money had to do involved with it. I'm like, if I cancel this trip, I'm going to lose a lot of money. Mm-hmm. On top of me losing a lot of money, I'm going to have to pay for the other person that's going with me because I'm not going to let them be out of the money. This is my fault. So there were a lot of factors in going to it. And then I was basically like, dude, you need to man up. You need to get over your fear. A lot of self-talking like, hey, yeah. you've done this over a hundred times. You have been to Europe. I've been to Europe six or seven times. I've been to Asia four times. So I have, I have done long international flights. I've been to England twice. I've been to London. I was just in London in uh, 2019. I've been to Scotland. I've been all over Europe. I've taken internal flights in Europe. I was like, you need to do this, man. A lot of help, self-talk, you know, words of encouragement to myself. Like, you got to do this. You can't, you can't stay in the dark forever because I, I just, I continue to want to see the world. There's too many places that I want to see. You got to get over this fear of flying. It's the safest, it's the safest route. You're in more danger every day you step foot in your car, whether you're just driving around your neighborhood or, you know, walking. Okay, more people die by getting hit by cars from walking around their neighborhoods or or in the street every day, every day, than than the than the total amount that are gonna, the total amount that something's gonna happen on an airplane. And so, if you look at those statistics, for a lot of people, it's a control thing. I see that other time, like I'm not in control, I'm not in control. Like, well, you're not really that much. You think you're in control when you're when you're driving your car, but it takes somebody that's out of control is that's what's gonna cause the accident and something's gonna happen. And so I just, I kept telling myself that, you, you know, you got to get over this. You got to get over this. You can't live in fear. Life's too short. Anything could happen tomorrow. So if it's your time to go, it's your time to go. And I, I put my foot down and I was like, this is it. You're getting on the damn airplane. <laughs> so I love I that. It. I love it. Because it's it, like, you know? there's a mixture of things going on there. So you've got this sort of determination, self-talk, also <clears throat> remembering things that you've done in the past, which have been really positive. And then the next thing you've got is this consequences of you not going, the cost to you, but also the, the cost to other people. And that's so you've got these lots of different factors that all combine that have helped yeah. you to get there. You know, positive recall, positive vision and negative consequences. Fantastic. Absolutely. Combo. Absolutely. And, and, and a lot of people are in the same situation. I see people, a lot of people posting on there. Oh, I'm going. I just saw this lady yesterday. She was really worried about flying. She was going from somewhere up north, like, I don't know, Connecticut to uh, Disney World. So somewhere in Florida or Disneyland or Universal. And she was really scared. I'm like, and, you know, she has her whole family going with her. I'm like, come on. I'm like, I'm rooting her on. I'm like, you know, you got to you got to do this. You know, it's for your family. So I, I think a lot of people do it for their family as well. Like, you know, that's that helps motivate them to get on there. And I was happy to see she posted pictures uh, yesterday night or this morning or something posting that she was there. And it always brings a smile to my face when I see people actually get up and do it and, and they, they face their fears and like, Oh, it's not that bad. But I, I do worry about the, you know, cause I'm going to continue to fly. And I do worry about, you know, the turbulence that, cause it's going to catch up to me again one day. It's gonna catch up to me, and I'm just gonna have to. I'm just gonna it have might to. Not, you know, it might, it not. might not. Yeah, I'm gonna have to face it. And and the podcast helped out so much because, like I said in the beginning, learning how the plane works. The plane's not gonna just fall fall out of the sky. Mm. They're not designed to fall out of the sky. And I remember you talking to a pilot, or it could have been you, uh, where people think that the turbulence is bad in reality the turbulence on a scale of one ten to ten is probably like a three and i remember it was either you or a pilot saying uh you had asked the question or he had asked the question i don't remember 
Uh, how many times did you experience severe turbulence in your 40 something years of flying? And he said, I think maybe four times. And this person is flying five days a week, six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. Sometimes they fly for like two weeks on and they'll have like the week off or something like that. So if you had four bouts of severe turbulence in a 40 year career flying and you're flying all the time, that's some pretty good stats, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of reassuring. A lot of little things that I caught on into various podcasts with the pilots and stuff. Really, I really remembered those things and. And uh, I really, I, I, I always go back and I remember those things from, from what the other pilots said, you know, and it, they're very reassuring. They're very mm. reassuring. Do you have sort of favorite ones that you think you'd recommend, particular podcasts that you thought that was the most helpful in terms <sighs> of where you are? I, uh, there's many, but ones in particular, no. I just remember, I remember the one talking, we were really, one was really just talking about how the, how the planes straight up just work how they fly how they're not going to fall out of the sky how they're how they're designed to do this and that and they're advanced and um i don't know because i you have so many podcasts on there i have listened to so many of them so i don't know (laughs) which one it was but i'm sure you can go read the titles or something and um get get an idea from those definitely listen to any ones where you have the pilots talking about the aircrafts yeah, that that that's that's a huge help, you know, and I had never I'd never I've never spoken to the pilots. I've never even got on the planes and talked to the pilots because I I'd never need to. And even even on my first flight, I did tell the I did tell the flight attendant I was a little nervous of flying. He's like, oh, OK, he's like he's like, do you want me to come check on you? And I said, no, it's OK. <laughs> but, and so he legit never checked on me throughout the entire flight. But I told him I was nervous. So. I'm sure he would have checked on me if I would have told him, yes, come and check on me. But I was like, all right, you just gotta, you gotta do this, you know? And if you, if you have some troubles and, you know, she was sitting in the very back. So I was sitting in the very front. She couldn't sit next to me. There were no more open seats. She, he was going to try to accommodate, well, well, let's bring her up and she can sit next to you. I was like, there's no open seats. So I always just feel more comfortable sitting in bulkhead seating. Um, yeah. versus anywhere else in the airplane because I can stretch my legs, I can get up without bothering anybody. So usually I'm in bulkhead. And I, I do I do <laughs> notice like that if you are in the back of the plane, it is going to be a little bit more bumpier. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just what, what I've read. Yeah, and it does feel a little bit more like that. So if you don't like movement, you should need to sit above the wing uh, yeah. or just slightly forward of it. And then you have slightly less movement than the other areas and if it's a really long aircraft yes you're going to get more you're going to feel it a little bit more at the back but it's no it's all safe it's just that there's a tiny movement if you're sensitive yeah. to movement i wouldn't suggest going there but unless you want to and you know like out of all the flights that i've taken i've never i've never personally seen anybody anxious you know even when there's been turbulence where i've gotten a little anxious back and back in the day i i look around and i've never really seen anybody worried on the plane i've i've actually i i've i've had some good flights i've had some really really good flights i guess i've been fortunate i don't, I don't know well the interesting yeah. thing with that is that you people can be internally freaking out but they're putting on a brave face particularly if they've got family <laughs> yes. yeah. and secondly the other thing i was thinking about as you're talking about telling the crew it can become like a little ritual that have to tell the crew but even that one that you told them and they didn't you said no don't check on me they would have still been they would have looked at you and just thought oh he looks all right 
this yeah this and, and do, I, you know? I think we did make eye contact a few times and he he saw that i was probably you know i was probably okay and fine and and you, you know beforehand i never i never used to research the flights i never cared about the uh i never cared about the like i said the the rain or or what kind of aircraft i was flying on never research that mm-hmm. now like i probably will always research the kind of aircraft i'm going to be on because i don't like small planes i've been surprised sometimes where i have had to stop a few times and i got on a really small plane like a 60 passenger plane or something like that and i don't know if i'd want to do that again so i'm always looking to fly like on the biggest aircraft i can you know going to mexico city there was a choice between an a319 and an a320 and i was like well the a320 is a little bit bigger so i'm gonna fly on the a320 so i took that one so it's, it's still baby steps for me i'm still coming mm-hmm. out of it of the experience but i think the more I fly, the more I'll be like, okay, you've, there was no reason for this, you know? Yes. Well, you are making progress and it's definite. So I can hear when you're talking about this, there's a few things there, which I'm thinking there's some things that need like thinking about, but I can tell that you're, you're on the way out of it because you, you're thinking about where you go. So, you know, it'll come to a point, hopefully, eventually that, a319 a320 who cares you know it's an aircraft as long as you've got a bulkhead seat that's all right you know I, for me it's <laughs> i've got an aisle seat i don't care what it is i, I like to let stretch my legs out and i like to be able to get out for a pee about 18 times during the flight yeah, yeah. So i'm one of those annoying passengers that has to do that you know so yeah yep. yeah but yeah so it sounds like you're making some terrific progress it really does do you have any recommendations for me uh, from everything that I've said that you think that would maybe help me out a little bit further? Things mm. I should do or shouldn't do or not worry about? Well, so a couple of things that have struck me, and you probably have worked out, is that there's, there's a couple of times that you've made statements that are quite declarative, like, I'll always have this or I'll always do this, which is then, so it might be worth just noticing when you do that i'll always check the flights i'll always because they're you're you're already preconditioning yourself to that something i'll always do whereas i might check because i might check always Uh, becomes a need and then the need has to be met crutch it's a crutch absolutely so i always tell the crew is one thing that people often say to me and that's great if the crew have the time but it's on really busy flights they might not and they might just sort of like just wave at you and that'll be it so if you always have to tell the crew, then you always need that support. So I always say, well, I will choose if I need to tell the crew. It gives you a bit of flexibility. So it's something to think about. You didn't say that, but that was just an example. So you said, I'll always research dot, dot, dot. So that's just something yes. to think about. The other thing okay. is that you talked about the safety of aircraft in different airspaces. And, and what it uh, the, the, the gap for me was the fact that about international standards, so in a small, you know, so if you fly around, I've done some of the places that you've said, the the aircraft, if it's a national aircraft or it flies in national airspace, it has to meet the same standards, even if it might, the way they operate or the customs or the, the some of the, as I've been on flights, we've had someone's brought animals on, you know, I thought, well, this can't be safe, but actually, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the, it's safe. It's either safe or it's safe, but there are certain parts of the world I wouldn't fly in or I'd think about it. But these are all places that they don't feel particularly safe generally, you know, so that 
you know, like corrupt parts of the world, I would be thinking, yes, I'd rather walk. Thanks very much. Bearing in mind your safety stats around walking, you know, so it's just that we just, it's about being kind of thinking, well, actually, what am I telling myself? So that's it. But I think you're actually making fantastic progress and you've done quite a turnaround, actually, in a very short space of time. So I yeah, think you should probably I, feel pleased with yourself rather than thinking, what else is there to work on? I just keep keep doing more of what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I didn't want to get stuck. I didn't want to get stuck for, you know, one of those five, 10 year, 15, 20 year people, even mm. 25 years. I think I read the other day, somebody said they hadn't flown in 25 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. And man, I just can't imagine that. And there, and I don't, I think if I wasn't exposed to the world, like how I have been, I've been very fortunate. Most people haven't been to the amount of countries I've been to. And I think that had a lot to do with it, that I continue to want to see the world for me. So that that's a big pushing factor on me. Um, wanting to get over the anxiety and I really worked on it. I just didn't sit around every day and, and <laughs> ponder like, you know, like just being anxiety. Like I was like, I'm going to work on this. I did. I even saw a, hypno, a hypnotist and I'm, I'm going to say I was neutral to it. I did like the experience. It was very, it was expensive because they, it's not covered under insurance. So you're having to pay out of your pocket. And I think if I could have done several more sessions, I think it would have been beneficial but overall, just over one session, I don't think it was very beneficial because I think you've got to continue to see this person. But I, but I did everything that I could to do to, to try to do it. And I think a lot of people don't do that. I think they kind of just sit around and they wait for the next flight. You know, a lot yeah. of people cancel. They're like, oh, we canceled our holiday last year and now it's coming up again and I, I want to cancel it again. And have you been working on these things? Have you been working on yourself? Have you maybe go see a therapist? Maybe go see a yes. psychologist. Go get on the medication. When people are scared and they're like, oh, I'm like, well, I'm not saying everybody should take medication. I'm just saying like, if you got to take the medication for the flight, just take the damn medication for the flight. If it's going to help you and it's going to help you get to, to go on a vacation and do something, just take it for the damn flight. You know, and then, and then don't thanks, Doctor John. Yeah, <laughs> then don't take it. You know, it's like you yeah. know, you gotta, you gotta get, you gotta give some, you gotta give some stuff up to to be able to do things sometimes. And so for me, that's what I had to do. Everybody's that like your top tip. I mean, that and I mean the determinations really come through really strong. Is that 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 self talk that you gave yourself? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm, 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 I'm ready to be back and flying again. And it's crazy. I actually have a lot of support around me. My friend has been a, fly, uh, been a um, flight attendant for 20 years. With uh, he was with JetBlue and now he's with United. And he's always picking up extra shifts. And he flies international. This guy's flying all over the world all the time. And he has friends all over the world. So on his off time, he's never in the states. He's over in like. He just got back from Albania from a wedding, and then he was like in Turkey visiting friends in Turkey, and he just laughs at me when I when I tell him all this stuff. But he actually helped me too, having a flight attendant friend, and he was telling me how the planes work as well. And you know, I just talked to him the other day, and uh, we were discussing the flights, and I was like, "Which flight? Do you, do you like the Airbus or do you like the the Boeing's better? Which one's smoother?" You know, this is my this is kind of a little bit of my anxiety talking here, and he's like. He's like, I like them both. They're both the same. They both are. They're both smooth. You know, I was like, what about the 319 versus? He's like, that doesn't matter. You know, kind of how you said. He's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> He's like, you're going to be fine. I'm like, so. Yeah, having that's quite him helpful. Around, yeah, yeah, yeah. Having him around 
him working for a big airline and um, being able to talk to him too. And, you know, he's always, he's always in the air, always, always flying in there. And, and he's not worried about flying at all. That's good like, to know. So what's your, yeah. so we're sort of getting, like, I believe it's 45 minutes, John. Okay. Uh, yeah, what's, your, what's your kind of your big, your final big tip or tips more than one? I think my tip is if you're a nervous flyer and you haven't flown in a long time, I'm not a doctor. If you need to get some medication, get some medication. Don't look into the flight. Don't do a straight shot if you can. Don't take night flights. That helps my anxiety. Everybody's different. It's always mm. a subjective experience. But the plane is safe. Go listen. Go listen to the podcast that specifically only have. Don't don't listen to my. Don't listen to me talk for forty five minutes. Go listen to the podcast. <laughs> too late. They commit. They're talk. they're all in now, mate. <laughs> Go listen to the pilots talk for 45 minutes or an hour and let, let them tell you their stories because those are the experienced ones. These pilots have 30, 40, 45, 50 years of experience, you know, listen to them and, and listen to how the, watch, watch how the planes actually work and they're not going to fall out of the sky. Okay. Those, those are my tips, several tips, but, and sit in the front of the plane. It's usually less bumpy so there you go see so just ask for one tip you're given a whole bunch and that's brilliant <laughs> yeah absolutely i've got to say the word brilliant because that's the one that gets some sort of reaction see apparently the <laughs> americans love the word and love the way the british say brilliant so yeah brilliant john <laughs> there you go thank you so much absolutely, absolutely. That. that's awesome I, I hope i hope this can help somebody and you know even i will always continue to listen to the to the podcast i, I love podcasts in general and mm. it's a good way to keep your mind off of what's going on in the airplane oh yeah always get wi-fi on the airplane pay the 20 bucks it's overpriced but when you can like listen to something live or listen to a podcast or something on the airplane do it it'll it'll take your mind off on what's going on versus just sitting there and worrying about what's going on around the airplane Keep your mind occupied while you're on the plane. See the That's tips. Really the, the tips they just keep coming. Keep coming in, man. They keep coming in. So. Oh, mate. Honestly, thank you for coming forward and sharing your story. Really appreciate That's, that. And all absolutely, the little, it's, it's been a wisdom. pleasure. Mm. Absolutely. And also for getting up at the uh, crack of dawn as well. Amazing. Hey, that's that's how we do it over here. It's <laughs> where you so, roll, Texas the guys. They're up. They're up at six in the morning. No problems. Yep. <laughs> We don't, we don't, that's how we do it over here. So I'm about to go on my walk and I'm going to go walk for an hour and a half. And it's good, you know, being outside, getting sun, that helps with anxiety as well. So I do a Just lot of walk, a lot of promise exercise. Promise me you won't listen to one of the podcasts now. Give, you, you deserve a break. You've been stuck with me for the last hour. Go and listen <laughs> to something more pleasant. <laughs> I, I can do that. I can do that for sure. For sure. So yes, thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. Um, I, I really appreciate it. And you know, continue continue to do what you do and to help people. Uh, and uh, yeah, stay safe over there on on the other side of the pond. I'll I'll be over there sooner than later. Um, I'll be back to flying international here probably within the next year or so. Brilliant, so. absolutely brilliant. And John, thank you for the thing. The reason why the podcasts are popular is because of stories like yours. And so yep. I'm very very grateful for everybody that's gone before, for you today, and all those that are to come. It really, really helps people because yes, it's good to get the technical stuff, but it really, it really, really helps when people can hear a story that they resonate with and think, you know, I'm a bit like that guy and that, that where he is. So I, I, I'm very, very grateful. So thank you. 
Absolutely, Paul. Anytime, anytime. If you want to do it again later down the road, just let me know. <laughs>